Welcome to Fox Driving in a Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 30, Number 62 overall. Ken Harlan, your faithful host here. Thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme song. Thank the folks at Zoom and Road for providing wonderful tools for content creation, especially for those on a shoestring budget. It is a nice day in South Eugene. Saturday, getting ready to watch PSG. A lot of excitement going on there with that club. Open the season in about an hour or so. Watching the community shield over to my left. Leicester and City are 0 0. 68th minute. Olympics going off. Lots of things going on here. So let's let's get to it. The COVID Chronicles. Well, a lot going on in COVID land as every week. Are we surprised? Not really. We've talked about in previous weeks, folks in their decision to not be vaccinated for whatever reason. As we always say, that's not for us to debate. But... It is causing a problem in the world of sports, and this week being no different. And so the COVID Chronicles, not as long as previous weeks, but that's not anything we should concern ourselves with. Well, we should concern ourselves with, I should say, but that's that's something that we shouldn't um, fixate on. At least I'm not, because I just see that as we get closer to football camp or college, pros are already in the camps we had a game the other night we're going to see the numbers go up just because the number of unvaccinated and obviously there can be breakaway cases as well as we've seen so what happened in COVID land this week you know it's still eating the color and the cream getting drunk on the HGH in the nightclubs in the bars in the stadiums in the supermarket in the library even in your schools now, apparently, is you're starting to see cases rise with kids as far as the Delta variant is concerned. Dogs are out there having a blast. Yeah, we're in the back studio, so if you have a little bit of hum and I sound a little bit more subdued than usual when we're in Studio B, especially in an early Saturday morning, but bear with me, we'll still get through this. So we have my man, Riverboat Ron Rivera, yes, of the Washington football team, I mean, he really came out of his tree. We know he's a cancer survivor, and we know that you know he has some comorbidities. And so when he found out that his team was flagging, I think, 31st as far as um, the numbers were concerned, teams, the percentage, I mean, the worst, um, the second to worst, as far as having players vaccinated, and then six more players before I think, right after we went to air last week had been added to the COVID reserve list or actually, you know, tested positive. So he sent a message to the team. Team uh, responded. I mean, the last time, this is a couple of days since I've posted this, um, the team is like 84% vaccinated now. Only 1% off of the league's 85%. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow, I'm sure that comes over a lot of the mic. <laughs> you know, I must want to redo that. But um, yes, 
They're like 1% below the league's 85% threshold for relaxing the league's health and safety protocols. So a good job for the Washington football team responding to the coach's plea to get vaccinated. Minnesota, the situation isn't quite the same, as we have Vikings quarterback Kellen Mond, who tested positive for COVID-19, meaning all the other quarterbacks in the room had to isolate, most notably Kurt Cousins, who made all kinds of news this week by basically saying he would surround himself in plexiglass to avoid getting the COVID-19 vaccine. Not really popular with some of his teammates or people in the Minneapolis area, even the Michigan hospital where he grew up, he was a Michigan kid. They're a partner. He's a partner with them, you know, pretty much since his, his pro days. You know, starting out with Washington, they've cut ties with them. They're just like saying, "Okay, you're you're an anti-vaxer. We're gonna have nothing to do with you." So, kind of interesting story there. I mean, I know that last year there was some controversy with him as far as his stance was concerned, and he's not backing away from that. And this goes to something that we've been talking about for weeks. What kind of impact are these decisions going to have in our locker room? I don't know. <laughs> we've, done, we've been saying this now for about, you know, we said it last year, that we were past this. And so now to see it go back in reverse and see that locker room issues might even be greater this year than they were last year. Yeah, it's beyond surreal. Let's see here. What else do we have? Okay, you, as far as the NFL, this is now you know pretty much the Hall of Fame game. You know, NFL is really going to start having a prominent presence in the podcast. You know, the Arizona had nine players out on the COVID nineteen list, and that, we'll find out later. But Troy Polamalu, who's scheduled to be inducted in Canton, as big as as part of this big Hall of Fame weekend is concerned. He's probably not going to be able to make the ceremony, and since I didn't see him being interviewed the other night, I'm going to assume that he is still recovering. Get healthy there. The Yankees, who've been a red-hot mess with this, continue to have issues as pitchers Jordan Montgomery and Garrett Cole both tested positive for COVID-19 and will be out for 10 days minimum. You know, once again, here we go. It's really kind of crazy to see This, at the pro level, I mean, I understand the society, and as we, I don't know, said many times, what we're seeing in sports is such a great uh, reflection of this, of this issue in our society itself, but because, you know, competition, and, you know, competition is in the form of entertainment that's very high-priced, you know, there's a greater scrutiny attached to it. And some of these guys that or in the team concept, sort of resisting that and, you know, willing to cause a, a situation in the locker room. And you can even see it in Twitter when these stories come up, you know, the uh, level of animosity and almost downright combativeness when it comes to the subject of being vaccinated or non-vaccinated. So, anyway, then you've got my man, the one and only Bryson DeChambeau who obviously we told you about missed the Olympics because he had tested positive shortly before that. He says he does not regret not getting vaccinated. Well, I'm sure Mr. Kepka will have a thing or two to say about that. He usually has something to say about anything Mr. DeChambeau does. 
Yeah, <laughs> those two. Um, then we have NASCAR basically saying that they're going to mandate face masks in closed areas. So here we go. Going to be interesting to see. We're getting closer to college football and a lot of kids that have been all over the place coming back to campuses. What are the health safety protocols going to be inside of the stadiums? I know that we have the big uh, Prefontaine, normally in the spring, that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Really curious to see Voido, what kind of protocols are going to be in place? I know I'm supposed to see fish at uh, Matthew Knight Arena in October, two nights. And I'm kind of wondering, is that going to be a mass affair, you know, given what's happening with Delta? Well, anyway, that's enough about the COVID Chronicles. We'll come back on the other side with a 43K view above campus. Welcome back to Fox Riding in the Foxhole, Season 2, Episode number 30, number 62 overall. Faithful host Ken Harlan here, live Boom Talk Studios. Wonderful, uh, mid to late summer morning in South Eugene. Getting ready to have triple digits again for a long stretch. Man, this global warming stuff is off the chain. Alrighty, let's get our cool sunglasses on. Let's get our fixed gear bike, our, our, our tasty ciders and seltzers, our hipster tunes. Let's hop aboard our Gulfstream 550 and take a high view above campus. Well, 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 we're still, what, maybe three, probably three weeks away now. From uh, week zero, might even be sooner, you know, given how quickly they the, these games have been appearing on the calendar. But I'm going to say we're still probably three weeks away from week zero. Maybe only two. I think it's three if this is the seventh today. Yeah, it might be the 21st. I don't know. We'll see. I have to go look it up. My bad for not coming prepared in that regard. So let's see, well, on campus, one of the, the first thing that starts out, and this still goes back to the Red River earthquake, which is leading, you know, fissures through the landscape of what we know as big-time college football. Well, all college football, for that matter. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, let, let's call it for what it is. But uh, the Big 12 has basically came out and said that they forecast a 50% drop in revenue with Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC. So where does that leave us? Well, I guess discussions have started between the commissioners about a possible Big 12, Pac-12 partnership. Hmm. Smells more and more like that big super conference I keep telling my friends about. You know, if you figure the SEC and the ACC merge, I mean, I think it would be, it makes sense for those two. And obviously the Big 12 has to find a suitable partner, but I think with the remaining schools, they can carve something up as well. And I mean, maybe it starts out as four super conferences before we get to a mega conference. Or this is just the beginning of the consolidation of, of these Power 5 schools. Um, it makes sense to me in, in this in this sense. Not so much, you know, looking at a 
Pac-12, Big 12 matchup, but a super conference where you have maybe an NFL-style schedule. And so, you know, for example, Oregon is playing Ohio State this year, supposed to be last year. But you'd want to see that more in the rotation based on these super conferences, or Oregon-Alabama. Right, some of these schools that get away with never having to play each other. And I think if you can create something that's similar to you know NFL-style um, super conference with divisions and have interleague play, and, you know, the computer and the smart people in the room can make this work. I mean, I think we could really get a premium college football product. I mean, it's all going to the third century of Rome anyway in terms of, you know, the big gobbling up everything and it becoming all about the dollars. So, I mean, if, if it's going to go that route, let's make, you know, let's cut to the chase and make it sensible, you know, from the beginning. And this is really supposed to take flight until 2025, although my instinct tells me it's probably going to be sooner. Once again, keeping, it, keeping an eye on the ball. Okay, what else is going on above campus? Well, speaking of the big boys, we find out that St. Nick, yeah, that St. Nick, Mr. Saban, he extends through 2029. And this is probably going to give him $10.5 million a year, which I guess for a college coach, but hey, that guy, give him a lifetime contract, and he's probably worth 18 or $20 million, considering some of the other money that's being bandied about. But I think the folks... And Tuscaloosa are happy to know they'll have their St. Nick around for another, you know, eight, nine years if he chooses to, to fulfill the length of his contract. Speaking of the SEC, and, you know, going back to the previous segment, looking at the things with as far as COVID on campus, well, if we find out that the Gators are planning to spend trainer camp, training camp at a hotel to avoid having an outbreak of COVID-19 leading up to this, the season. Makes sense, right? You know, if there's breakaway cases or there's people that are not willing to get vaccinated, and as we talked about many times last year, I mean, it's campus, and we're talking schools like the, like the University of Florida. You can get in a lot of trouble at a place like Gainesville when you're one of the boys. So, I can't. I can understand why. You want to try to sequester them and sort of keep them away. Because, you know, you get this period of time, you know, I don't know if you're on a semester or a quarter system, but you're going back to, you know, kids are starting to flood back. You know, there's big parties and there's all kinds of hooking up and just that time of the year. It, teams are very susceptible. And we saw that last year as far as the logistical nightmare that... CV-19 outbreaks caused last year. It's kind of interesting to see Florida trying to get ahead of that by sort of you know, sequestering the players and really making them adhere to you know the, the CV-19 health and safety protocols that are out to protect them. So, anyway. <laughs> Crazy stuff. I'm sure we'll hear more about that. I can tell you that the NCAA also suggests weekly testing for the unvaccinated. How about daily testing? Yeah, it might be pricey. I think that they're more or less... <sighs> uh, yeah, so sort of like, okay, if you're going to test them weekly, well, they can get into a lot of trouble. 
and the, and the seven days between tests, you might have to come up with another way of monitoring them so this does not become a bigger problem. I mean, speaking of the NCAA, I'm hearing this about how they're going to change, they're changing their rules to speed up investigations. I mean, I think the events of the last, oh, I don't know, where were you at since July 1st, and even before that, we'll just call it the last two months, this pretty much made the NCAA impotent. The idea of speeding up uh, investigations, well, you know, if, sure, if it's somebody that you could make an example out of, but when it comes to schools that, that tell you to go get the coffee and the Dunkin' Donuts, and, you know, we'll get back to you, yeah. You know, I wonder if it's just another thing for the NCAA to try to grab clicks. Because, I mean, even if they do investigate something, who, who, how are they going to enforce it against the big money schools? We've already seen that in the last 10 to 15 years. Whatever power they thought they had is really eroded. Okay, I'll leave you with this one as far as being high above campus. Um, a gender equity review suggests... In order to bridge the gap between men and women's sports, there should be a combined Final Four. A combined Final Four. So what are we staggering games and making sure that because it's at the same size as the men's that we can generate more revenue, more seats? When I know the fiasco at last year's with the weight room, which definitely was a major black eye, one of many for the NCAA in 2020 and now 2021. Um, I don't know about a, a joint Final Four. One, the women's tournament does draw, right? So I don't think they really need to have to piggyback with the men. I just think that, you know, put as many resources into that and there will be no need to have a joint Final Four. It just... Okay, what, is this going to be like something else? Go to ESPN or one of the networks and we just have wall-to-wall -wall coverage? <sighs> I get where they're coming from, but I think they're just overthinking it. Just make sure the facilities are equal and you're even giving them enough air time. You know, right, as opposed to... When was the women's game on? You mean it's like, you know, Monday early in the afternoon, you know, after the big Saturday and Sunday games come tournament or, or Friday, Sunday games come tournament. So there are some things that they definitely can do to make this better. And uh, I'm not sure this is one of them. Okay, folks, we will come back on the other side with some uh, other cool stuff. Welcome back to Fox Dragon in a Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 30, Number 62 overall. Had to look up that one for a second there. All kinds of fun stuff going on. So, we come to that fun part of our podcast, which is entitled, Something You Should Probably Know, or Things You Might Want to Know About, and the world of sport that went down in the past week. Well, actually, eight days, because we're coming to you on a Saturday. It's been... A very weird week down in the gold mines. Uh, even more changes coming. Some good, some not so good. But that's what life is all about. Anyway, so 
Let's see what's going on in the rest of the world of sport. A lot, but in the interest of keeping things, um, I don't know, streamlined, we'll just give you a few of the highlights. Of course, we know Miss Miss Biles. We're not going to pick on you. We're going to stick stay away. We're going to applaud you. In fact, returning to competition, balance beam, took the bronze. The judgmentals came flying from every direction as we expected they would. But in the end, it's a feel-good story. And everybody sort of walks away, maybe not as mad and combative with each other as they were when all of this went down. Lots of cars out and about today. But yeah, it ended up being a feel-good story for everyone, right? As, as far as the Olympics go, we know that Xander won the gold medal. Uh, cute gal last night, not to say that in a sexist way, but just the red outfit, you know, I've, I've, I'm drawing a blank out of her name. Well, hold on a second here, Let's see if I can find that tab. Well, you know what, maybe I can't. That's just shows you where we are today, right? When, when we switch this, when we switch studios, and we go with the smaller rig, hence why I always give Zoom and Road um, props during my podcast because I use a roadcaster for most of the recordings you've probably seen it in Facebook in my Instagram post and then for situations where I've got other things going on at my house I break out the P4 I also take the P4 out for interviews I'm sure I've told you all of this stuff before but nonetheless that's why this setup today is a little bit different Okay, so anyway, we'll go back to what I was talking about as soon as I can find where the outline went. Okay, um, some cool stuff going on, and you know, people not really understanding history. I know that the, the success of Lamont Marcel Jacobs winning the 100 meters on a sizzling time of 980, and Italy's 4x100 team taking the gold, people were like, where is this coming from? And I was talking with my uh, two brothers who are big track aficionados, if not downright historians, and we were just like going, does anybody remember Pietro Miana, who held the record in the 200 for many, many years, breaking the, the great Tommy Smith's record? So this is not really that much of a shock if you follow track and field, especially if you follow track and field for a number of years way cool to see. It was also cool to see Warholm set the world record in the 400 meters, running a stunning sub 46, 45.94. Cindy McLaughlin and the women's was very impressive as well. So there were some good scenes as far as Americans on the track go. You had Allison Felix becoming the most decorated American track athlete ever with her 11th medal as the women take the gold in the 4x400 meter relay. I think that was last night. The women's hoopers, I believe, have won their seventh straight gold, although I've seen that, and then they never right the fuck into the game. I'll have to verify that. Um, let's see, what else is going on? As far as the track goes, you have Esteban Oken winning the Hungarian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton takes second. 
the animosity between Hamilton and Verstappen is getting more intense and you just love reading about the banner. This is somebody who doesn't get a chance to follow auto racing that much. And seeing uh, these guys go at it. Let's see here. Another thing that's, that's been cool over the last couple of weeks is having guests on Undisputed. I know if you're like me, when you're getting ready for work and preparing stuff, especially those of us who get to do the WFH thing, you know, I'll watch that while I'm getting my morning notes or, you know, uh, preparing for meetings or whatever the case may be. And not having not having Skip, especially during the this the the printing NBA free agency, and some of the moves in the NFL, it's been kind of a relief to see cats like Lavar Arrington, um, what you know, Buker, and um, geez, <laughs> my memory is just like really shot. You know, obviously Chris Bassard. I'm trying to think of the other player that's that, that I've been seeing. Plus the other guy that's on the that show way early in the morning. Yeah, you know, it's okay. Obviously those the big talented names. But it's always good to see other people shuffle in there and kinda of offer a fresher perspective. Especially you're right in this little two or three week window when there are a lot of things going on. You know, as far as NBA free agency, teams coming to camp, the Olympics, so it's definitely something definitely worth pointing out. Alrighty, folks. A little bit light on on the, that segment this week, but that happens sometimes. We'll come back with some NBA beat. Speaking of. Hey, welcome back. The Studio B. Fox trying to get a foxhole. Season 2, episode 30, number 62 overall. Okay, so a lot going on as far as the NBA beat this week. Especially um, this time of year, as the regular season has wound down. But the free agent frenzy and the Olympics going on simultaneously has provided us an extended serving of, of NBA well into the summer and this has been the yeah, kind of entertainment we also got the summer league going on as well so yeah like so many so many sports these days it's so becoming a, a 365 24 7 type of operation so as far as the olympics go we, we know that the uh, men had lost to spain with it as far to start things off um and then you lost to France, not Spain, they lost to France, excuse me. Lost a couple of exhibitions. They beat Spain to advance to the semifinals. Then they beat advanced, uh, they, they beat Australia to advance to the uh, gold medal game. I mean, they were actually trailing by 15 at one point, I believe. Kind of watching that out of the corner of my eye. There's a lot going on. And so last night they played France in a rematch of the game that they lost for the gold medal. So... KD, a little help from Holiday, obviously Dame Dalla They won a game that was closer than it probably should have, but you know, give France behind Batum and Fournier, very scrappy. Give them credit for hanging in there. But the USA ends up winning 87 82, which all throughout the tournament, um, 
people came up and said, you know, it was Durant the greatest Olympian. Well, you know, at first I was pretty skeptical when that came up, you know, thinking, especially because I guess I've been watching the Olympics less and less, but he's a well-decorated Olympian, and this was kind of big. I don't know. There are some people who played for us in the Olympics as well, a certain Jordan guy, a certain Russell guy, but I think that he has demonstrated in, in the, his Olympic career, you know, to be quite the force. And nobody's denying his you know his place you know as far as being a great basketball player. I mean, is he in the uh, is he in the pantheon? I don't think so, but it's still possible if he can get something going with the folks in Brooklyn. Okay, I think the the disappointing thing was that because as scrappy as France is, I would have liked to have seen Luca. Slovenia, because you know that France, that's who France beat to have the privilege of losing to the U.S. for the gold medal. Okay, let's get into the free agency. A lot of stuff going on here, and so it kind of all started out with the Zoe, that Zoe, not that Zoe, but that Zoe, Lonzo Ball, who was in a sign and trade to Chicago. And they also get Amar DeRozan in a sign and trade, a sign and trade. Also, Chicago gets Alex Caruso, former Laker. Zoe and Caruso, both former Lakers. See how that goes. It's kind of good to see Zoe maybe get to a place where he can thrive as he becomes... I always thought he was pretty good. I think most people who watch the game will agree. You know, never quite as good as the hype coming out. And, you know, his dad didn't help things either. But we'll see what happens in the Windy City. We saw that Kyle Lowry did a sign and trade to get to Miami. Miami just extended Jimmy Butler for like four years, $191 million, I believe. Chris Paul takes a three-year extension to remain in the Valley of the Sun. Three-year extension, that means he's going to be 39. Now, I know they got some young legs there, but, you know, as we'll see, we're talking about another team, but that's an interesting move. Jazz had Rudy Gay. The Sixers... I had Anthony Drummond, but if you watch Anthony Drummond, <laughs> Andre Drummond, excuse me, if you watch Andre Drummond with the Lakers, you gotta really be wondering, you know, is this the dude you want to? I mean, I don't know. A guy that size does not really provide you much. I mean, I think it gets you know, um, fodder opposition. He can give you some garbage points and some boards, but. I think the tougher when you saw a tougher competition, he's just not up to it. Simple as that. The Heat. I also forgot the Heat also added Victor Olivadipo. <laughs> there you go. Butcher the names again. You see, it? you say it without thinking. It's not a problem. But you try reading it. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Boy, problems here early in the morning. You see the Iggy resigns with Golden State. Kimba, Kimba signs with the Knicks. The Knicks also sign Julius to a $117 million extension. A lot of people are kind of critical of that, saying the money could have been better spent. Not really even happy about the Kimba signings, but I don't think you could make the Knicks fans happy with what's going on at Brooklyn in the aspect of them getting a taste of being successful again so they're probably seeing all these other good teams being built up 
and sort of wondering, you know, well, what about us? <laughs> so I can understand some of the disappointment in New York. Um, people, as far as extensions go, Mr. Young down in Atlanta signs a five-year, $207 million deal that will keep him there for the foreseeable future. I told you about Jimmy Butler. Chef Curry signs a four-year, $215 million extension, making him the first player to have signed two $200 million deals. I mean, almost getting towards a half a billion in just salary, man. Wow. NBA, lots of money the NBA for the bad ratings. I'm telling you, that China money, it'd be good. I guess KD is about to ink a $150 million extension as well. So there you go, man. A lot of money being moved around. Obviously, the other big news of the week, you know, the Westbrook trade was the first domino, which actually pretty much made was the end of a not-so-glorious uh, era, as we say, the post-Kobe Lakers, where guys like Kyle Kuzma, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso. It, it, it's really interesting, especially when you look at Lonzo Ball, obviously, Brandon Egram. When you look at that group of Lakers and just, you know, when people go, well, how come you guys have to always build the superstars? Like I say to you guys, as a Laker fan, you all know that. And when you sit there and look at this organization and the, the pressure, putting that jersey on and living in that city. You know, I've lived in that city on and off a couple of times and just can imagine, you know, being in their position. I mean, the data's out there, right, in terms of, you know, unless there's some, you know, Kobe obviously is a different animal as he's an all-time great, but a lot of young guys really suffer. They come out of the gate strong, but, you know, the, you know, getting to hang out with the Kardashians and all the other cuties and being able to club and just the uh, relentless uh, pressure that put on the, fa for the fan base. The fan base has very high expectations. And when you can't hit open shots, the reliability and defense, they let, they let you know it very quickly. Anyway, let me not rattle too much about that since. But the thing is, now with everybody, with that era, now you have the Lakers and the old folks home. As you have Mello. You have Trevor Ariza. Wayne Ellington. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, pretty much if you're over 30, it's like LeBron saying, come on by, you know, trying to be kind of reminiscent of, of Shaq and, and Kobe with... Gary Payton, Carmelo, and the whole era of like, hey, come on, you get a ring, you get a ring. But, I mean, this is going to be potentially the oldest lineup in NBA history. And, yeah, they had a couple of young pieces, but in general, this group's old. And given that LeBron's been hurt two out of the three years he's been in Los Angeles, and we know about AD always being hurt, I do, that's why I think if you're a Laker fan, you like the Westbrook trade, that things won't completely go to poop. At least to, you know, decide to get hurt. And then you have to wonder about these other guys. I mean, if this was 2010, I would just say, man, this team has a chance to three-peat. But it ain't 2010. However, it would be interesting to see if the Lakers are kind of a team to help Carmelo get past his funk. You're supposed to playoffs go. 
you know, because we've talked about this many times on this podcast, people don't realize how many times he has not been able to get past the second round. Just saying. Ooh, man. Um, so what about uh, Kay Perk teeing off on Kawhi Leonard, who I guess apparently will be staying with the Clippers, even though he opted out. He's just trying to work a good deal. But, Kay, but Kendrick Perkins basically just saying, man, we've been giving this guy a pass way too long. And it's probably high time that we start making him sort of accountable for the games he's missed and how it costs his team. You know, when you're sitting up in the you're sitting up in the skybox, when your dogs are out there fighting. I don't know. I just we all know Kawhi is that dude, and I think they have his championship pedigree, in the same way that Bill Belichick, when he was the great defensive coordinator for the Giants, so it let LT do what LT do. I think with Kawhi, you have to say that's what's up. You know, right? And just hope that you catch him, you know, at, at a point when you have him where his mentality is all about the ring. You know, because obviously if he encounters some type of injury, he's not going to push it, right? You know, he's going to take the extra precaution and he will sit out time. And I think that's just one of the headaches you get knowing that if he is sound, you have a chance to win a ring. And I think if I'm Balmer trying to trying to knock on the Lakers' door, and I'm not even knock on the door, just to even get a scratch on the get a, get a scratch on the fence as far as you know popularity and championship pedigree goes. Let's see here. What else do we got? Um, okay, I think we'll we'll close here with this one. What about Ben Wallace not thinking Portland's a viable destination? In case you know, they were talking about a trade for Dame Dollar Holler. I'm just for one, Portland would be absolutely silly, even as disgruntled as Dame is, the trade for that no shooting, no shooting man, right? Whose game is you know fundamentally off. I mean, he, in other ways, you know, it's very unsound. So, yeah, if you're Portland, and him saying that, you know, I would. The, one of the LA teams, I'm like, well, yeah, or Golden State. Well, shoot, yeah, I'd like to go out with the, with the Rome supermodels too, but the world doesn't work that way, kid. Alrighty, folks, we're going to come back with a little bit of Nightfall of Diamonds and a drip on the sand bony around the ice rink. Alright, see you on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Season 2, Episode 30. So let's take a look at the night full of diamonds. And what little we can tell you about the NHL, because it's in a slow season. Baseball, definitely not. Unfortunately, we start off with a very somber note. Um, if you grew up in my generation, um, condolences go out to the Astros and the family and friends and fans of J.R. Richard. Very hard throwing. Richard... When I was growing up, it's just sort of like looking up at, at back in the day. I mean, he had like a um, what was it, a zero zero point zero zero ERA in high school. He had a couple of years where he was like the most dominating pitcher when the Astros were really good in the late seventies and the early eighties. 
had a stroke, it was never quite the same. You know, had some situations where he was living under underpass, but overcame that to become a minister and other motivational things. But yeah, pretty dominant pitcher over a short window. But like I said, our condolences go out to his family, fans, and the Astros. But you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Um, ongoing story here. Man, you know, when we started this season, and I was talking about Mr. Tatis Jr., the phenom down there in San Diego, when, you know, he signed a big contract, I kept wondering about, you know, his durability. I mean, obviously, when the cat's on the field, he's just absolutely dazzling. And you wonder, is, as I've said, asked repeatedly before, are these injuries part of a pattern? Versus something that uh, you know he's going to shake in his early years. I hope the I hope the latter is the case, but I don't know, right? Just given the frequency, okay, plays hard. So we'll see. Might be something that you know, some more mass takes care of. But I know if you're the San Diego Brass right now, you're probably um, a little bit concerned. Okay. Speaking of a little bit more Olympics, I can tell you that along the way, the USA baseball team fell to Japan 7-6 in 10 innings. Then they played Japan in a rematch last night for the gold medal. Somehow I missed that. Must have been really early. But anyhow, Japan also wins that rematch 2-0 to take the gold medal. Good run by our guys, but not enough to get the gold medal. Fallout continues from the Cubs fans firing the, the fire cell last week. Not a big surprise there, huh? Um, it's kind of interesting to hear some of their uh, brass come on and talk about it. But it just does not really... Um, it doesn't suit the fans. And you know, when you go through a fire cell like this, it never does. Um, I think that... Uh, well, we got the ums going here... <laughs> The, the heartbreak they went through for years and years and then getting that successful run and just sort of getting that swagger that comes with it. You know, obviously, you know, having Theo and not having Theo, there's something that, there's something to be said about that. But the level of expectation goes up. I think once you win it, especially in this era, and you know that you can, if somebody's not cheating on the other side, you have a fairly good shot at the team that's put together and I think people have to understand that if it doesn't work after a while you know that after four or five years you're probably going to see a lot of this shedding payroll and kind of starting from the beginning especially if you are still doing what you're supposed to in the farm system and when you trade these people off you're adding assets from people other people's farm systems this is going to be sort of a cyclical process and sort of I think how the model is kind of done when you make the assessment that a team has probably gone only so far and you need to like build from scratch again. You know, that's probably why it's probably, you know, anywhere from a three to seven year project, depending on what the vision that these teams have. At least that's the way I see it. So what is going on with the power rankings? Well, I can tell you that number one is the Giants. You know, they're pretty hot. Obviously, getting Bryant doesn't hurt. Dodgers are two, even though I don't know how, given how stinky they've been playing since they've come out of the All-Star break. The Cheaters are three. 
The Rays are four. The White Sox are five. Let me see here. Let's take a quick look here. Jasper Giggles. Let's see what's going on as far as, you know, so every time I want something, there's always a delay. But let's take a look here because the data I have here beforehand wasn't good. So what, what can we tell you? Of note, the Red Sox losing 8 of 10 is is pretty bad. I think you're seeing the Strohs. They're, they're, they, they've only won four of their last ten. Seeing the Phillies, who actually have overtaken the Mets, seven and three out of their last ten. The Brew Crew won eight of their last ten as, as well as the Reds. And I think that uh, you know the Giants winning six out of their last four, and the Giants five and five. Padres a little bit under that. It's kind of giving you a bird's eye view of what people have been doing in their last 10 games or so and how it correlates to the power rankings. Kind of interesting to see that the Rays holding a narrow lead on the Red Sox. And the White Sox, they're just straight up balling. I mean, they're like, they got a nine and a half game lead. So, all good stuff going there. Um, you know, the NL West, I think it's kind of cool to see the Giants and, Do and Dodgers and Padres. As I told you, even before the season started, even said last year, See, that's good, too. although I think the Dodgers need to get a, a closer. We got to see the Dodgers and the Astros, so the Astros return to Chavez Ravine, see, part of the scene, part scene of the crime. Fans really gave it to him with the garbage cans and all kinds of other displays. And some people in the stands getting a little chumly as well. Um, then you get Astros took the opening game, and then you see Mad Max in his L.A. debut, Fan 10, but once again, the bullpen made it way more interesting. I think Mad Max is going to do quite well at the Dodgers. I think uh, as far as if the starters, can, can, him and Bueller can take care of this disc because he really can't trust that bullpen, and without getting a real closer, sorry, Kenley, it just, you, mentally, you ain't the dude. Okay. So are we excited for this upcoming Field of Dreams game? I know it's been hyped. It's gonna think it's gonna be what next Thursday. You know I'll probably know the story, you know the movie. I mean I guess it'll be okay for from a visual aspect. It's gonna be like the Yankees and the White Sox. I think visually it's probably not gonna be too bad. But am I excited about it? And I guess it's one of those things if I happen to be home. I'll definitely sit and tune in, but given how hot it's going to be that, that part of the week, a good chance I'll be out doing something. <laughs> oh, who knows? But so, I, I mean, it's hard for me to say. Um, as far as the NHL goes, what do you think about the league trying to investigate Evander Kane, Evander Kane for betting on his own games? I mean, it seems like he says no way, but given everything else in his house of cards is crumbling, filing for bank's bankruptcy, casino suing him for unpaid gambling debts. You know, as they say, when there's some smoke, there's definitely some kind of fire. I think Mr. Kane may be in some serious trouble. Okay, folks. We'll come back here with a little beautiful game life on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Strike in the Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 30. 
getting ready to watch PSG. A lot going on there this week, as always with that club. Could be a crazy couple of days here, as apparently they have rented out the Eiffel Tower. Get to that in a moment. But we can tell you about the Olympics. We can tell you that Brazil wins its second straight gold medal with an extra time win over Spain. Mexico beats Japan to take the bronze. And kind of the earth-shaking news, the women's national team loses to Canada. Then Canada also, uh, well, USA beats Australia 4-3 to take the bronze, but as dominant as they've been, a very disappointing moment for this group of ladies that has pretty much dominated that women's soccer international over, the, like I said, the last decade or so. Kind of a thundering into that. Canada taking the gold on PKs over Sweden as both squads tried to give that away. That was kind of interesting to watch. As far as the Copa Oro, incredible to see the U.S. men stun Mexico in that and win 1-0. Not too many people out there that was ha they were happy about that. Go, go figure. Been a very eventful uh, summer for the U.S. Can it sustain itself as we could prepare ourselves for the World Cup next year. Hopefully so. But you have to like that. Also, and as far as uh, you know, competitions go, speaking of PSG, Lil stunned PSG to take the uh, Trophy of Champions in Tel Aviv. It's kind of watching that. I mean, I think if you're a PSG fan, it's disappointing, but you know when you don't have Mbappe, Neymar, and a few other notables out there, it's like really, especially when Lil was pretty close to being at full strength for that. Still kind of disappointing. Okay, let's get to the mad season. Why was I talking about the Eiffel Tower a couple of minutes ago? Well, I guess the PSG is renting that out, and the last time PSG rented out the Eiffel Tower was announced. <laughs> when Neymar was coming. So, why is that a big deal? Well, it's obvious now that the world knows that FCB and the great Messi had to part ways. Can no longer, I mean, Barcelona's been having its wonders financially. And I guess what um, Messi's handlers were asking for him to re-up, you know, the, presumably this has been the last four or five years of his storied career. So apparently, Messi may be headed to PSG. With, fair, with, with FFP, I have no idea how that could even be possible. We haven't figured out what's the story with Mbappe. Is he just going to play here? I mean, obviously, if Messi's coming, but how would you even be able to re-sign re him? It, it, it's nutty. But the idea that Messi is no longer going to be in Barcelona is stunning enough. That he would be coming to join forces with... And Bobby and Neymar, you got people hated PSG before. I, the amount of venom that will go towards the Capital Club, well. <laughs> anyway, so if it's going to happen, I suspect it will happen in the next 48 hours. You know, we might even have a quick special podcast just for that event. So anyway, yeah, keep an eye on that. I don't know as far as this is going to be in Bobby's last dance. Um, Kane's a no-show at Spurs camp, trying to force his way to Manchester City. I guess there's a possibility that Romy Lukaku is going to back to Chelsea. We know that Jack Grealish is going to Manchester City. 
Maybe he's going to hook up with Kane there. Okay. MLS, let's talk about that. We had the power rankings out. The Rebs are still up top. Followed by New York City, which is kind of a surprise. Sporting Kansas City looking good, number three. The Sounders at four. And Orlando City, five. Which I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think I would have Nashville higher myself, you know, given how tough they've been. A lot of action to talk about because we had action over the weekend and we also had midweek action. You know, almost a full slate. So I'll just give you some of the things that stand out to me. I think New York City uh, handling the crew for one. The crew have been really disappointing. You know, all that fight to, to save the name and the bread digging that was going to make a difference on the field. Doesn't look that way right now. Uh, five stripes continue to, to, to fold. As Orlando City was able to eke out when I actually get to watch that. It's kind of interesting to see the Galaxy put the hammer down on the Timbers. Galaxy definitely not fading away like a lot of people thought they would. That's kind of shocking that San Jose beat Seattle, but then again, no Rodan and you know just all that stuff. The international duty, after all, we needed him for the USA, and people can dog him all they wanted, but he was a factor out, out there as well in the Copa Aura. Um, let's see here. What else did we have for that was kind of interesting during that? You had, yeah, FC Dallas did beat uh, Kansas City. FC Dallas is after being the doormat of the league. It's definitely looked good. You notice a lot of these teams have that, like Chicago, you've seen it with. I'm going to put the Rabbits in there. I think the Rabbits are better. I'm uh, thinking, like, Chicago's kind of had a run. FC Cincinnati. Teams that have been kind of dormant. They'll go, they'll get on a three or four match run, and the next thing you know, they're back to being garbage. So we'll see with FCD. But, you know, I think FC Dallas has looked pretty good in the last month. Don't want to drop points to them. You got okay. Let's see here. You also had um, yeah, Philadelphia and Nashville. They both got draws in their matches. Chicago and Toronto. So over then we had midweek action, and I think the big thing there was Sporting Kansas City coming to Bank of California and just you know all all the rumble outside, but a Sporting Kansas City coming to the Bank of California and just hammering LAFC. It was 4-0 at one point. I, mean, I was watching this in the midst of not having a wonderful day, and that was kind of a capper, just seeing Sporting, Sporting Kansas City come into Baker, California and do the black and gold like that. You know that you know the black and gold are in some transition and they made some big moves. They've got two big signings that have happened here. We'll see what happens, and they also have some in, big injuries and, and some departures, but still, when what was supposed to be a statement game, that was the wrong statement to make. Nashville and the Revs, 0-0, zero, zero, two impressive clubs in my opinion. Uh, Portland and San Jose tied, the Galaxy and Real Salt Lake tied. Austin gets a big win in one of its Texas derbies over Houston. D.C. United give the crew another loss. And then I think what else is there exciting? I mean, Miami and Orlando 1-1. That's kind of big for them, always. So anyways, that's what's kind of what's going on as far as the MLS is concerned. Um, taking a look over here, it's PSG and it's cool kit. Seeing Bappe out there. It's going to be an interesting match. I'll definitely update you in the next segment once we get out there. Oh, uh, yeah. 
and we get to see Hakimi. It's going to be an interesting year, but I don't know if the world is ready to have Leo Messi be a part of that. But just think about it. They don't even have a good TV deal. Like, how the hell are most of us supposed to see this? It was bad enough, and that's the reason why. Um... La Liga jumped to ESPN. It's going to be on ESPN+. And how happy are they now that CR7 or Messi are no longer there? Two of the biggest. It just would be nuts if you have uh, Neymar and Papi and Messi, Ramos, Di Maria, Navas, Gigi, <laughs> Hakimi, and nobody can see them for the most part. Unless you have FUBU or something like that. So I'm really hoping that if this does happen, someone comes to their senses and they ink some kind of deal where we are able to watch League One matches. It just it's, it's utterly ridiculous, and it keeps them in the Farmers League status, in my opinion. Okay, folks, we'll be back with some NFL report and what we call now TMCA time. Not just TMA anymore, but TMCA. Yes, indeed. Okay, we'll see you on the other side. Pretty active Saturday out there. I was in between segments taking a breath, sort of watching this uh, PSG Troy match. And um, opening minutes, just like two minutes into it. And just picking up all the noise going outside between people and their tools. Planes, birds, yeah, everything. everything's picking up on the microphone today, as opposed to when I'm sitting in the other room. But anyway, what's going on in the NFL? That's right, the Hall of Fame game, Canton, football's back, yo. Steelers win 16-3 to get the 2021 season off and running. Preseason will be starting next week. It's really good to see. It's kind of good to see some of the interviews with some of the inductees, getting to see John Lynch, Drew Pearson, Cliff Harris. Ah, yeah, right? I mean, Jimmy Johnson, you know, it's a bit, obviously a big class. Uh, Megatron as well. So I think that part of it was good, you know, typical with no Dak, obviously, injury, no Big Ben, no Zeke, which is to be expected at this point given the. Uh, the amount of contact in practices that nobody, nobody wants to take any chances. wonder how that's going to translate to when we get to the opening weeks in terms of the reps and just not being used to contact and that's going to you know lead to more injuries. Oh, we're just excited now because for a while there, you'd be scrambling to get an outline with the NFL. And I'm like looking down at all these bullet points. I'm just like going, yeah, baby, football's back. That, that was interesting with Jerry and Jimmy. And they asked him, was Jerry going to be in the Ring of Honor? And he's like, Jimmy, Jerry saying, yeah. I was like, going, you too, really? I mean, come on, Jimmy, get over yourself, man. I mean, Jerry. I mean, Jimmy should have been in the Ring of Honor after the second championship. I mean, it, yeah, you haven't been the same team. And I know it hurts your ego. And, you know, these two go back a long ways. But come on, man. And then patting yourself on the back for just for being a dirtbag and not ha having Jimmy, who pretty much made your legacy. No one's denying your role in, in that, Jerry, but 
you know, enough's enough. And I think it's almost an insult. I mean, Jimmy's going to be graceful about it. It took Jimmy so long to get into the Hall of Fame either. I know, Breath of Work, when he did Miami. But, you know, those, I, mean, I just think that's game-changing. You know, even give him props for helping change college football at Miami. But anyway, good to see Jimmy getting enshrined in Canton. Okay, enough of that. So what do you think about Mr. Carson Wentz? Yeah, that Carson Wentz. Foot surgery could be out 5 to 12 weeks, depending on where that lands. Another guy that you have to wonder... He's had, well, he's had a maybe one or two stretches where he's pretty brilliant and justified where he went, you know, especially coming, you know, from a school, from a, you know, a football subdivision school and being touted, but he's, he's injured more often than he's healthy. And as I was saying earlier about, you know, Mr. Tatis Jr., you know, at, at this point, you know, where... Man, I wonder, I almost mean, wonder if I'm insulting Fernando by making that kind of comparison because we're talking, when it comes to wins, yeah, that one run that he went on, but there's not enough data there. That was kind of interesting. The fans and the pundits already were talking about Nick Falls, Nick Falls. And Coach Frank Reich, I think, did the right thing, said he loves fools, but hey, this is Carson's team, so I don't think he's going to do anything to mess with Carson's psyche by bringing him back in. Now, I think the interesting um, other domino in that scenario would be Philip Rivers saying, hey, man, if you all need me, you know, I got myself with me. I'm going to stay in shape. I think as far as having a safety valve goes for that particular team, this is good. Very good. Um, full, I mean, I think Fulls would be disruptive. I think bringing Philip Rivers back as a stopgap, if, you know, I forget about the kid who slated, you know, to, to start the season, if Wentz is able to come back. That might work. Because uh, he's going to love football being back. Um, I, well, the latest rumor is that the Texans are really interested in moving Watson. And, ooh, getting a little action in front of the PSG goal. <laughs> it's still 0-0 zero, zero the seventh minute. Um, that, some people are talking maybe Philly is a place where Mr. Watson may land. I think that Houston and Deshaun have both agreed that it would probably be best just to start anew. And I know that if you're Jalen Hurts, you're just like saying, say what? <laughs> I thought I was the future. You know, and there's already interesting things going on in Philly with Devonta Smith already banged up. And, uh, you know, I've seen a new coach over there. I don't know. I have a feeling Watson's going to start this season in Houston. But I, you never know. I mean, this Philly thing could be interesting. I think Philly would probably have to give up quite a bit to get him and some moving around. We'll keep an eye on that. Some, uh, you know, people getting paid. Central Valley boy. When I say Central Valley, San Joaquin Valley. Fireballs, Josh Allen. Homie just got paid. Six years, $258 million extension. Probably makes him the highest now. Because every time one of these guys gets the deal, they're there, you know. It'd be like that uh, Nick Chubb signs a three-year, $36.6 million extension. 
Not quite no Josh Allen, buddy, but Nick Chubb's happy nonetheless. Okay, now what about all this hogwash with people all week when it comes to A-Rodge? All this goat talk. What the hell is that all about, okay? I, we talked about this last week, and that's the only reason why we're revisiting it, because I watched some TV, you know, some you know, pre-work and things, and heard people talk about the goat, and that Having the rings does not, you know, I heard his former teammate, was Greg Jennings, saying that, that you people have to stop fixating on the rings. And I'm like, well, we play for the rings. After that, we, you know, want the Hall of Fame, you know, to buttress that, especially if we don't have any rings. But it's all about the rings. And the more that you have, the more you are influential in making that happen. Sorry, people. Put down the orange slices and the participation trophies. The rings definitely matter. Always have, always will be. And, <laughs> you know, the idea that we can call him a goat when he has the same amount of rings that Joe Theismann, you know, Trent Dilfer. And it looks like PSG is already down in its season opener on the road. Wow. What a crazy time. Let's see what happened here. Oh, man, it was off of a set piece, too. My goodness. PSG just looking like poo last week and again today. Well, we're wrapping this up, and I'll have to, like, somehow dive into that and see what's going on there. Speaking of A-Rodge, um, Mr. Jay Glazer says the Packers have agreed to trade Rodgers if he doesn't want to be in Green Bay beyond 2021, which I guess is what he wanted. Oh boy, it means he gets to be a diva even longer. No, oh, how much we love that. Um, a lot of talk this week with the Newton Jones show up there in New England who starts the season as a starter. I, I wonder here at, at this point. They say the kid's looking good. I guess you know, they play uh, the Washington football team. I think it's going to be on Fox uh, probably either Wednesday or Thursday. Be curious. Because you have to think if Newton's holding a clipboard, he says he's okay with that. But is he really? And I've brought that up many times as well. Lance versus Jimmy G. Who starts in the Bay? Well, if we were watching um, John Lynch when he was on the other night during the, the Hall of Fame game ta uh, telecast, you know, he said the right things about having two great quarterbacks and how Jimmy's being a, the guy, you know, a, a class guy and being a teacher and a motivator and a competitor at the same time. I mean, it's kind of a really good situation if you are, uh, you know, a Jimmy G. And I think about, you know, other backups, you know, right? Like the Marcus, Modi Marcus Mariota in Las Vegas. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, he's over there in Buffalo. You've got some guys in the Washington football team roster. You've got some quarterbacks out there, you know, for teams that may, you know, either injury or opportunity. It's, it's out there. But, you know, but go back to what I was talking about, forgot on that tangent. I once again, we'll have to see how the games come out and just just the the vibe between both of them with Jones and Lance. You know, I think that uh, when you're talking about 
New England or San Francisco. They've got confident starters in either spot, so I don't think they can go wrong. You know, one of the other big conversations come out of this week, Kelsey, Jimmy Graham, both saying they're not a fan of the 17th game. Gee, what's new? And, and, you know, get on the NLPA, right? Like I said about the, the NBA PA when it came down to starting the season early in the injuries. Same thing with playing this extra game. With collective bargaining, you guys have to refuse because now that you got the 17th game, they're going to be pushing for the 18th game. You know, or expand their rosters and allow for a little bit more flexibility. Of course, you never, and you have to think that even in the time of the pandemic, with NFL teams' value increasing by 14%, yeah, that 18th game is coming. Got to watch a few more episodes of the dark side of football recently. Eh, it's okay. It's worth watching, but it's nothing. It's nothing great, in my opinion. You know, I watched the one about the Raiders. Watched the one about the dark art of Bill Belichick. And, you know, as I go through this series, I'm glad to do it earlier, but so many other things have been going on. But, uh, yeah, it, it's worth watching. You know, I will say that, so I won't be that negative. Okay, it's TMAC, it's TMCA time. We had to add a C to it, you know, based on recent events. The word's been expanded and renamed to, it's now TMCA time. Not a lot going on this week there, as far as that goes. This PSG trails 1-0 in the 14th minute. Uh, although making a push on goal here. Can't wait to get the Twitter after I'm done recording this. But as far as TM DMCA time goes, um, let's start out with the Olympic athletes having an outdoor drinking party in a moment of time where we know that we're having some issues with COVID cases spiking crazy out of control over there in Japan. Everybody trying to be safe and you're having a outdoor drinking party and there'll be social distancing. I'll get there. We'll have some complimentary bulls there. You know, if I hear that an outbreak, you know, or, you know can be traced to that, we'll upgrade. I think you got to like... I don't know if the folks in the foundry can hand, handle this, so just make a real gigantic stainless steel bowl of the smelly varieties for Sparta Prague and the racist fans doing what they do once again, being extremely racist. You know, having, I mean, almost to the point of just being pulling the fans and kicking everybody out. It's going to have to be, something to be done about that sooner than later. I think we'll give the fans, we'll give a big stainless bowl that you can put outside the stadium in Tel Aviv for the fans that were booing PSG, Sarkif, Akami, the Arab, and yeah, it's made some uh, pro-Palestine remarks, but it's just like every time we touch the ball, booing and hissing, it's just like, come on, man, stop it. It was absolutely ridiculous. You know, right? And you're going to give two stainless steel bowls to the Oregon DBs Shooting airsoft guns at people here in Eugene, a couple of blocks from here. Could have been me if I had been riding home from the bar that night. What the hell are you guys doing? They're suspended indefinitely, but come on, man. You know, I mean, terrorizing people when you get to play for a team like the Ducks doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, folks, it's been real. It's been fun. This has been, you know, a little bit of rest as we always are when we do things in Studio B, as far as the production goes, but I think we pulled this thing off. FTINFX at gmail.com if you have any feedback, want to ask questions, want to be on either one of the podcasts, 
we promised to put, do uh, get Alec Ford on here, so we'll probably double up and have two podcasts. See how the details come. You'll probably see it on my Facebook page. In the meanwhile, be safe, be cool, be chill. Wear a mask and sanitize where you think it's sane. Because that CB19 still in the nightclubs, still in the bars, everywhere, chewing on the cream, getting drunk on the HGH. So be safe, folks. Until then, we'll see you in about a week, six days. Depends on how that all flows out.